0: Alright, now we're gonna, now we're gonna do music. No, wait. No? <laughs> so, welcome again, everyone, to Harambe. Um, I'm Matt Topping, if you don't already know, and today I'm, uh, I'm pulling double duty. So, I recently joined our team of elders um, earlier this year, and as, a, as Pastor John was preparing to go on his sabbatical, we... Uh, we decided to divvy up some of the preaching responsibilities amongst the elder team. and So as the team was working out the preaching schedule, since this is my first time preaching, you know, of course, um, they figured, let's give them a nice, easy, straightforward, non-controversial passage. Yeah, about that. Okay. <laughs> but here we are. About all kidding aside, I'm actually, I'm really excited to, uh, to be preaching today. Um, this process of preparation for the sermon, it's, just, it's really helped me personally just to rely on God's sovereignty sovereignty and just trust that he's in control, even, even when I feel far from it. So before we kind of get into it, one of the reasons that we at Harambe go through uh, entire books of the Bible is so that we avoid the temptation to skip through tough sections um, or just cherry-pick easy topics. Um, I've titled my sermon this morning, uh, Built Up in Order. Um, And today we're going to talk about three things that I see Paul is arguing from the text. As Paul is addressing the Corinthian church, he's arguing for orderly worship, for submitting to God's authority, and for clarity in the gospel. Order, authority, clarity. But before we jump into today's passage, I want to start by just giving sort of an overview of the gospel. In the beginning, God created He created all things, and there was an order to his creation, and it was good. God created man, Adam, and he he quickly saw that it was not good for man to be alone, so he gave the man a helper, Eve, a woman, Adam's wife. And short after that, Adam silently watched as Eve believed a lie from the serpent, and mankind fell into sin, desiring to be God rather than to be content with God. The fall brought about sin and chaos into the world. The creation was no longer in harmony with the creator. Death and darkness entered in. However, God continued to pursue his children, promising to one day crush the serpent and to restore his relationship with us. Shortly after the fall, God chose a people to be his people, his family. They listened to God and followed God's lead. But they were still broken, and they kept falling away. See, sin was keeping God's people from fully and truly being in a right relationship with Him. Now, sacrifices were made to atone for this sin, but it was never enough. So God decided to come down from heaven and make things right. God's Son, Jesus, fully God and fully man, came into this world to restore things, to renew, to bring life to bring light out of the darkness and to be the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died on the cross in place of us taking on that penalty of death that we deserved. His body paid the price given over to death in place of us but he didn't remain in the grave. On the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death, restoring what once was lost and bringing us into right relationship with the Father. The debt was paid. You see, he brought order out of chaos in our lives just as he did so long ago when his spirit hovered over the waters at the dawn of creation. A new dawn, a new light breaking through in the midst of darkness and all because of his love. John three sixteen, which a lot of us know so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We're reminded again of God's love in Romans 8. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now people began to hear this message of repentance and forgiveness, and they began to gather in small groups. This was the beginning of the church, God's family. And they devoted themselves to prayer, to fellowship, the breaking of the bread, to the public reading of scripture. And all of this was in response to a loving father who was adopting children into his wonderful family. The church, Jesus' church, became a place where all could gather and worship their creator. So this is where we find ourselves in today's passage, the church in Corinth. Now the church in Corinth, they had many issues. Uh, They had many tensions to deal with. They had many ideas to contend with, um, as we have learned during our time as we've been going through 1 Corinthians this year. They faced much of the same types of issues that our modern-day churches face, so it's to this audience that, uh, that Paul is writing. You see, people were, were doing church. They were, they were meeting together. They were trying to do things right and to honor God. And in regards to gathering as a church, you can imagine they were likely trying to answer some of the same types of questions that people still ask today. What makes a good worship service? Does this worship make me feel good? What's in it for me or does it work for me? You see, here's the problem, is that God's church and consequently worship and the gathering of the saints is about God. It's not about us. Acceptable worship is about what is acceptable to God. We should not be asking, does this work for us? But instead be asking, what works for God? What does he say about worship? What is acceptable to him? How can we glorify God as we gather together? So we've spent the last few weeks going over spiritual gifts, um, speaking in tongues and prophecy. We've learned that in all these things, um, and even as the passage today that we reflected on uh, during our corporate prayer, that love is, is a central theme, and that spiritual gifts are to be used for the building up of the church. So in today's passage, we see that Paul begins by arguing for order within the church, Let's take another look at verses 26 to 33. It says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn. And let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to one another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So we see right away in verse 26 that there's, there's sort of this expectation that all the followers of Christ will be will have or could have a a hymn or a lesson or a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. There's an expectation that believers are coming together and wanting to share. One of the problems with the Corinthian church in particular at the time was a problem of pride and an attitude of kind of wanting to show off, which led to to trouble in their church gatherings. Dr. David Garland writes in his commentary on 1 Corinthians that the disorder in Corinth is not attributable to the workings of the Holy Spirit, but to narcissistic exhibitionism, disdain for others with lesser gifts, and disregard for the common good. You see, it should not, it should not be about the individual here. It's, about, it's not about one gift being more important than another. It's about building people up and in an orderly way. So to illustrate this, when when you woke up this morning, uh, you didn't come to church and say, "I have a message from God. I need to preach today. Give me the mic." And well, you know, it's entirely plausible that you you very well might have a message from God. In honesty, but we have a a team of teachers. We have a group of elders that have set out a plan for what content that we're going to go through as a church. Um, We we set a schedule. Those on the schedule, they prepare. We meet together with our preaching cadre. Uh, we pray. We listen to the Holy Spirit in the days and weeks before giving their sermon. There's a plan. There's there's order to it. You didn't wake up saying, "You know what? I think I'm going to lead worship this morning." You know, I heard a song on the radio. I was sounding really good in the shower this morning. So yeah, I think I think I think I'll lead worship. Now again, you may have a real gift of leading worship, and quite honestly, talk to me because we can obviously use the help. <laughs> But there's, there's, there's a plan in place. There's time spent in preparation for choosing songs that in, in conjunction with how the service will flow and what, what message the songs themselves will deliver. There's an order to be had when God's people come together. Uh, so when I was, when I was younger, uh, I worked for a construction company. It was actually called Psalm 24 Construction. Uh, my, my boss was a believer, and uh, Psalm 24 speaks about the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof and we worked with the earth we we installed in ground pools in the tri-city area and uh it it was it was a good job um it was hot in the summers so as as i was gaining experience in my work i became pretty good at certain things um you know like real complex things like taking a shovel and digging a hole um now the thing about it though is that every job we did you know we'd go in there um In in a very similar and very orderly way. There's a way to go about installing an in ground pool. And there was a group of us, you know, two or three guys, and we would all work together to get the job done. If I had decided one day that, you know what, I have a gift, I'm the best hole digger around. God has blessed me with an amazing ability to move dirt. And I'm going to dig this hole right here, right now, and get this pool put in. But I failed to measure the layout or I failed to make sure that things were level, it would be foolish. I'd be toiling in vain. While I show off my awesome shovel skills, there's, there is a way to do a job, and there's an order that needed to be followed in order to accomplish that. In a similar way, Paul is telling the Corinthian church that when they came together, they needed order. It wasn't supposed to be an episode of corinth Scott Talent or Corinthian Idol, The gifts of speaking in tongues and prophecy, they're meant to build each other up in love. I'd like to add this, though, as an an encouragement, that we can and we all, we should, come together expecting to be built up and to help build each other up. We come with our different gifts that God has given us, and we all have that shared purpose as a church to build each other up in love. There, there are ways in which we can come together while having the kind of order in place that Paul is exhorting the Corinthians in and yet still participate. Who can I encourage this morning? Who can I speak life into? Who can I pray for? These are small ways in which each of us can be a part of the building up of the church family when we get together being part of the church, it's not about sitting on the sidelines and watching from a distance. It's about participating and being involved. The Corinthians were involved and it was only because of their passion and dedication that Paul needed to admonish them in order so that they could be involved but in a, in a more healthy way. You see, the other thing about when I was working construction, putting these pools, is that I wasn't alone. I had someone teaching me and guiding me along the way, My boss. He knew what needed to be done and and how to to do it, and he trained me up so that I could be a a part of it. God is working in each and every one here, and I want to encourage you today that you have not been designed to just watch. You've been designed to participate. There are people in this church that can help you out along the way and point you to the gospel, but please know that you've been gifted to participate. When when we come together, there's an order in place to help in building each other up in love. It's verse 33 says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. All right, so next, next in this passage, we see Paul move from talking about order to talking about authority. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should recognize that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So, it's important that we take a a bit of a step back at this moment and kind of look at how do we approach Scripture and how do we derive meaning from it. As I gave an overview of the Gospel when we started, we saw that God is the author of this grand story of mankind. With God being the author, he is the ultimate authority that we submit to. And God has revealed himself to us in, in many different ways, through nature, through his spirit, through himself when he came down in the form of Jesus, and also through his word, which is we now know as the Bible. There's this grand narrative to the Bible, and it says a lot of things about a lot of topics. What we don't want to do is we don't want to proof text and pick out and choose only certain verses that can lead us to basically make the bible say whatever we want instead we, ne- we need to read the bible within its context and so this obviously is one of the more controversial passages um, in first corinthians maybe perhaps the whole new testament it's easy to look at it with a cursory reading and and and, and maybe get mad Who does paul think he is telling women that they should be silent in the churches Or some might read this on the other side and erroneously justify their male chauvinism. See? Women should be silent in the church. To be honest, uh, you know, I was talking to Caleb about this even this morning. Uh, This really is a difficult passage, and it's hard to to really unpack everything that's going on here. Um, And it's speaking to an issue that we don't really address very often here at Harambe, which is gender roles. And... You know, honestly, we, we could have a whole sermon or even a series on on uh, devoted to this topic of gender roles and to, to really see the whole the totality of what the Bible has to say about it. But for now, I'm going to try to point out a few things, and also point you to some resources um, that we can you can look further into this topic on your own or, or together outside of service. So let me let me try to break down a little bit about what. Paul is saying and what he's not saying in this passage from what I see. So Paul is not saying that all women all the time are to remain silent in the church. In fact, just a few chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, we see Paul describing women praying and prophesying in the church. The, the word used for women here uh, in this verse. First, in this four, chapter 14 passage is also the same where they can be interpreted for as wives and it's even used as such earlier in first Corinthians both in uh, in chapter 7 and in chapter 11 and so what Paul is saying seems to be directed specifically at wives within the Corinthian church um, and there seems to be a reminder or there is a reminder that they should there are to be in submission which is really most appropriate for the the husband wife relationship now i really um this is where i can't really fully unpack everything that's going into that and um but as a i'm going to read from ephesians 5:22 through 27 it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church his body and is himself its savior So again, this is where a backdrop of looking at the whole of Scripture in relationship to a husband and wife and how God has created man and woman, as Tim Keller puts it, equal in dignity but complementary in their being, would really help us better understand what Paul is saying in this passage. Um, And I I would highly recommend going online um, and... Search, you can search for Tim Keller's sermon on gender roles. It's uh, He goes into this topic in a much deeper way, in a way that we won't be able to fully go into today. And uh, I think the other thing that I wanted to mention on this, that's um, obviously I'm kind of reading fairly off script, but the other thing I wanted to mention is that there are people that fall on different sides of this in terms of what, what they really feel this means and what, this, what the implications are. Just because our church... Holds more of a complementarian view, it doesn't mean that we um, we judge or that we hammer down on, on that view in such a way. We want to keep the centrality of the gospel center central. Um, and uh, while it is important, it's important to to read through these things and to and to settle on on a, a conviction of how we feel this the, the scriptures read. We don't want to hammer something that that has opportunity for different viewpoints. But I do believe that after reading this over and over again and looking at different commentaries, listening to several other sermons on this passage that the heart of this issue seems to be about authority. It's regarding wives submitting to their husbands so as not to cause shame upon their husbands. It's it's in the context of a culture in Corinth and at a time of history Whereas uh, Dr. David Garland, who uh, he's written a, a commentary on 1 Corinthians, he puts it, Paul's instructions are conditioned by the social realities of his age and a desire to prevent a serious breach in decorum. The negative effect that wives publicly interrupting or contradicting their husbands might have on outsiders could not be far from his mind. So I believe at the, the question at the root of this for all of us today is, who is your authority? Is God's word the authority in your life? Is the latest philosophy of pop culture or a political ideology or authority? Who determines what you think about gender roles, about the relationship of a man and a wife, about creation, about the church, about spiritual gifts? Now I imagine that there's there's still going to be some questions, and perhaps some of you again will not agree with my handling of this passage, but I want to encourage everyone here today, in regards to the authority of God, by quoting uh, a well-known proverb. In Proverbs three, verses five and seven, it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths. He will straighten your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil." it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. As Paul continues on in this passage, um, he goes on to ask the Corinthians a few rhetorical questions that challenge some of their arrogance. There's an attitude within the Corinthian church, as we mentioned, of pride regarding spiritual gifts and exclusivity. And Paul is reminding them that they, as all believers, they need to humbly submit to the authority of God and that, as in verse 40 he tells us, we should do all these things decently and in order. When we come together in an orderly way and in submission to God's authority, we're best able to clearly hear God's voice and we can build each other up in love. If we all came to church and everyone was speaking all at once, the wives are interrupting, undermining their husbands with no order in place, it it would be chaotic It would be difficult to clearly hear God's word and to be moved towards better following him. We need order. But we need to submit to God's authority so that we can have clarity. Right after speaking about order in this section um, within the church, Paul then addresses, or uh He he addresses the Corinthians in chapter 15, which I'm going to bleed into, and Bob will preach more on next week. It says this, starting in verse 1, chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. See, Paul knows that we as a people were prone to forget the gospel and that we need to be reminded constantly of the simple message of the gospel. It's the gospel that we received, in which we stand, and by which we're being saved. The gospel is everything. We don't learn the gospel and then move on to other things. We don't need anything more or less. The gospel is paramount. The world will often lie to us about how empty our lives are, that we need product X or relationship Y to, to be happy or to have purpose, but the gospel stands true. And there's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor, nothing that we can do to save ourselves, but that Christ came while we were still sinners. And he died. He was buried. And he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. As we wrap up things, I wanted to read a passage from Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16 share some final thoughts. This is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into lower regions of the earth? so that it builds itself up in love. When we come together as Harambe Church, together pushing forward, we get to remind each other of this amazingly simple yet profound gospel message. We get to use the gifts that God has given us in decency and with order, in submission to God's authority, So that we can have the clarity of the message of the gospel and in doing so we'll build each other up in love let's pray father god thank you for your word thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this church your body i pray that as we reflect on today's passage and on the lessons that we have been learning as we've been studying First Corinthians, that you would, as Paul describes, make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May we not tire in reminding each other of the message of the gospel. May we not grow weary in gathering together as a family. I pray that we would not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can know you deeper, and love you more richly than ever. I pray that you would increase, and that we might decrease, and that in doing so, your name would be made great here at Harambe, South King County, this nation, to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. So we come to this time, I now get to switch my hat, <laughs>